one. This is episode 12. In a city such as Nashville, a.k.a. Music City, one would think that record stores would be a sacred institution, but rather are being demolished to make way for bigger construction. Today's conversation is with a singer-songwriter that expressed his sadness through his latest single, The Sound Song, when East Nashville's record shop, Fond Object, was torn down for condos. However, it isn't all sadness with this Americana singer. His career spans over 10 years with singles on multiple television shows and movies, and toured alongside bands such as Vertical Horizon, The Damwells, and Rusted Root. This is Howard Jennings. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm good. How are Thanks you? Having me. <laughs> feeling good. I'm feeling good in here. Good, good. So, in space. Well, so this is our first interaction, so I'm excited to get to know you, and we're gonna yeah, ask some very thought-provoking questions. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. I well, love it. We have the intro too. Thank you. It's, I'm still moved by this whole, you know, this happening of what this song is about. So I'm sure we'll get into it, but just hearing you talk about it gets me like, you know, you get a little fired up about it, but. That's so. awesome. I always worry about writing those um, intro bios for um, musicians or just individuals in general, especially people that I don't necessarily know. So I always want to kind of get it right. I mean, obviously I don't want to get it wrong, but I also, yeah. you know, I want to do you justice. So. That was perfect. Thank Good. you. So uh, let's go way back to. Yeah. Uh, a beautiful baby Howard, and <laughs> let's talk oh, about. Was, but thank you. I'll tell my parents. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about your earliest memory of music. I guess I'd. Uh, I think of my dad. He, um, he had this old guild, and I still have it. He actually gifted it to me. He's fine. He's alive, thank God. Um, but he just knew that I was doing something, you know, pursuing music. So he thought, you might get more out of this than I did. But the truth is, if I think back, the first memories are him playing that guitar. And and uh, I don't remember necessarily what he was playing, but there is one thing I do remember. It's uh, he would play George Harrison's My Sweet Lord, but he would put my mom's name in it, and her name was Laura. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, was, it was easy. Uh and it wasn't like sacrilegious or anything. It was like, you know, he loved my mom and loved the Beatles and George Harrison. And so I can remember him saying that, like, my sweet Laura. And I remember saying, oh, that's the sweetest thing ever at the time. I, probably didn't even, I thought it was him, you know, like I thought he made up the melody. And the... So I remember that. I, I, he, my dad, he wasn't a professional musician. He's a creative fellow. He's a photographer and among other, among other things. He's, he's great. Um, but that, he could like, he wouldn't be the guy that shows up with his guitar at the bonfire and you're like, oh, thanks, man. I'm like, yeah, we know. Yeah. But, like, if there was a guitar around, people wanted him to play it because he'd just come up with stuff, you know. He he maybe only knew five chords. He still jokes about, like, maybe knowing three chords now. But he he's just, like, uh, he was really good at coming up with stuff and kind of, like, included everybody in the room. You know, it was like, you, you, you were going to find your way into the song, which I was, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, this is great, you know. This is, um, but I remember that, and I, that's always stuck with me. And now, you know, I, I find myself writing a lot on that guitar, which is pretty cool. When I get stuck, it's like you, it's like a go-to. It's a tool, you know. It's Every guitar obviously leads you a different way for, for whatever reason, how it feels against your body or just the room that you're in or I don't know what it is. It's like the sonic 
pieces of it. Um, but yeah, I, I can still kind of picture him with a guitar and, um, I think that was the start. That was like, I remember headphones and things being so fascinating to me. I remember he had this old record player. It was just out of reach of me as probably like a, I don't know, three or four, probably my daughter's age, four-year-old. Like, where you knew she would like be okay with it. She probably is going to break these later when I leave them out. You know, like I remember these huge 80s headphones that he had hooked into his record player. I remember putting those on my head a lot. I don't, I don't know who knows what I was listening to or if they even, maybe they didn't want me to hurt my ears. I have no idea, but I just remember the, how cool it was that. And yeah. And just his guitar and like the, the smell of the steel strings on the guitar. I still can like, I know where it was in the house. It was up. My dad had, he built an A-frame and it was up in the, in the loft in the back. So anytime you were around it, it was like a, a special thing. And so it's cool. It's kind of carried on. Here I am, you know, not the beautiful baby that you had mentioned uh, now, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying. Uh, and so, yeah, I it's cool that it's that memory's carried on and it's still here and, yeah, you know, it inspires me. And you mentioned your daughter and she is, uh, I believe you said she's four or, mm-hmm. okay, is she yeah. also starting to have interest in music and playing you know, like, I, I really struggle with, like, the proud parent thing because it's, like, we all know how that is. But she's, like, there's actually a song. We we haven't known each other that long, so I'm sure you, I don't know what you've heard and what you haven't, and that's okay. Um, I'd written a song for her called Dreams Turned to Gold, and I started it before she, well, she was in uh, my, you know, while she was in my wife's belly, you know, there's so many better ways to say that. But, you know, before she was born or knew she was on the way, I'd written, like, maybe half of this song for her. And then my wife kind of nudged me to finish it after she was born. Not that I needed it, just to, like, hey, it's worth working on. Um, yeah. So there's a song, if you know your listeners, I want to check it out. It's called Dreams Turn to Go. It's on YouTube, and you'll see, back to your question, um, you'll see how much, music moves her and i'm sure there's you know that's kids love music it's just it's the best when you're young um she's got something in her Uh, you know again i'm the proud dad but she's like today we're in the car and we're listening she loves remember us this way and um she she heard it twice and she was singing the melody and singing with lady gaga she's not pitch perfect but she she remembers the lyrics better than I do. I mean, I've never like remembered other people's lyrics that well, which is kind of like it's good and bad because then you aren't like trying to do the same thing. But you're you wish I mean, when you do have to play a cover, you're like, oh, I wish my memory was better for. But she's just able to do it. Like she hears it and she repeats it to me. And I'll ask my wife, did you play that for her yet or whatever it is? Or Lightning One Hundred will play a song mm-hmm. and it sticks. I forget what the last one was. Uh, the 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 light came in and the power went out by uh, mm. oh, they were playing it so much it was so great I mean I, I know why they were playing it but uh, I heard her saying that and I'm thinking we heard that once in the car and she knew the melody wish I could remember the artist right now that's too bad it's uh, the light came in and the power went out I want to say it's uh, Mo- Molly Tuttle Molly Tuttle I I hope I didn't get that wrong anyway great song and Lady One Hundred after this yeah, oh, it's so good. It's, but when my daughter was singing the melody, I was like, she has something that 
I don't, you know, no matter what it amounts to, I, it's so hard to think about down the road. Uh, I know that for me personally, having music in my life, you know, it, it did everything for me. I, I needed it. When it came into my life, when I took it seriously, I needed it. And, like, whether she needs that when she's 10 or she needs it, I don't know, when she's 40. I mean, I doesn't – I'm just glad it's in her. Really, whatever it is, that thing in her and that electricity of music – it's all, it's awesome. But anyway, if anybody wants to check that out, that's Poppy. And I mean, that's, I think that footage was maybe two years ago. That might have come out two years ago, but um, it was pretty cool. We were, sorry if I'm talking too long about your question here. You're good. Okay. Um, <laughs> part of the video, um, I was fortunate. One of my friends, he plays at uh, Farm Aid every year. So I like, I, I hang out. I make sure and make the farm made every year just to kind of like hang out. I haven't played it yet. I'd love to do that. I'm the, that's a, that's on the bucket list of things. But we need, um, to, we need to tell Farm Aid that they got to get you on the bill. Oh uh, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping we were. Well, I don't know how much I can say, but I was uh, kind of in talks with them about doing a. Um, now obviously it's not going to happen this summer. It happens every September. But we were. I was hoping to do some type of thing leading up to the farm aid that I can't really give away. That would be awesome. It's like the dream. There's so many of the, every year the artists that play, they're just like my favorite, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then you just have Willie, and how could you? I mean, he just makes you feel good to just see a picture of him on something. It's like, oh. But anyway, back to Poppy, Farm Aid. So, <laughs> Sorry, Poppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Poppy. She, and if she was in, she'd want to play a song right now. And she, she goes on my uh, Instagram stories more than I go on and does live things. She'll just pop on for four minutes, and if somebody catches it, it's pretty cool. Like, there are people I didn't know messaging, oh, when's she coming on again? And I don't have a huge following or anything, so it's kind of cool when, like, somebody I don't know is, hey, when's your daughter going to be back on? I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe I should play, too. But uh, back to fun, right? Um So the video idea started, though, there. We, My friend was very nice. He plays in the – his name's Corey McCormick. He plays with Lucas Nelson. And he's been in their band, Problems with the Real, since they started. Um, we, I met him on the, you had mentioned the tour with, uh, what was it? Well, Vertical Horizon. Mm-hmm. Corey had just finished playing with Chris Cornell, and he got the call. Him and uh, Jason Sutter was the drummer, got the call to play with Vertical Horizon on this tour, just for this one tour, and I happened to be the opening act. So that's how we met, and we became fast friends. I, I was, Corey McCormick is like one of the, not only one of the best bass players, but he like he took me under his wing. I was driving to all those gigs. I wasn't like I didn't have a tour manager. I was sleeping in my car because I had to beat the bus the next night. I mean, I literally it was like back to back nights. I'd have to drive ten hours, and he would like make sure to go out of his way to oh come on the bus and hang for a bit or you know if you, worst case jump on with us. And I'm like yeah I can't leave my car. And, and but he was like the guy that just made me feel like you know what? I'm not just the opener. And it's so, I'll never forget that. Uh, and I could go on about him, but uh, anyway, people should check out Lucas Nelson and Problems for the Real because they're great. Um, yeah, they're, they actually oh. played in Charleston. Oh, nice. Last year, um, they opened for Willie, and oh. I got to see um, them live. And it's, yeah, they're amazing. Super talented man. And oh. I mean, I can't say enough good things about them. Yeah. he And he, like, yeah, he's Willie's son, but he's got his own. If you close your eyes, you feel Willie. Mm-hmm. 
he's got his own thing. Like he, he's, he's a great songwriter and he's got, he's just got that it thing that people talk about that it's the combination of a lot of things. But yeah, Lucas, he's, he's great. And I mean, they've, geez, as a band, they're doing the, you know, touring with Neil and playing with Willie. I mean, there, it just doesn't get better. If, I mean, if a band, you're getting to back those guys. Um, so I'm so happy uh, for them, but, uh, Anyway, the video started with Poppy at Farm Aid, and she's dancing, and Margot Price is playing. And Margot lived in our neighborhood in East Nashville, so we're not buddies. Um, Margot, I'd love to hang out. Um, Margot, let's Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd love to. She's, she's such a talent, too, obviously. Um, but she, we've we've bumped into each other at the coffee shop, actually right near where uh, Fond Object was across the street. That's actually my second verse I'm talking from the coffee shop. Uh, to looking at the record shop and it's actually talking to me but met her there before and uh, so we kind of recognize each other when we see each other and she saw Poppy was literally in the front row and she's got her earmuffs on and I'm you know she's going off the stage and she waves to Poppy and it's like that was that's pretty much the main footage of that film it's just to show how excited Poppy was Um, are you still there I thought I cut out for a second you good yeah Uh, Oh no, good. We're good. Uh, but anyway, so that, yeah. no, it's good. It's good. I, I, I like it. I mean, I wish we could hang, but uh, we, maybe we got to do that some other time. Um, yeah, definitely. Next time I'm in Nashville, and when there's, you know, yes, please, please. Even if we have to sit, you know, sit six feet apart, I'm okay. We'll no, do it. Okay. Put a mask on. But anyway, that whole thing inspired the video with Poppy, and it's on YouTube. So we got back to the answer, maybe. Of your question? <laughs> we did. And the best part. Oh, where's the clock? <laughs> you're you're going to start pointing to a clock. <laughs> well, and the best part is, is that um, we'll, we'll include the link. So everyone that's listening, they'll be able to watch the video and cool. they'll be able to see what we're talking cool, about. Cool. Very cool. Be sure to include that. Nice. Um, but one of the things you did mention, you did touch on is that music came into your life at, a, at a, I guess, an important place and time for you. Um, and I feel like that may, it kind of segues into my second question of like, how, how would you define a relationship with music? And I, it almost sounds like maybe it's it kind of entered your life at an important time or it's always been there. Yeah. I guess the, um, the entering my life part of it, I wasn't really interested in playing music on you know, I, I love music. I was a consumer of music, of everything, top 40, you know, like, I mean, just anything I could get my hands on, um, from classic rock to rap to, I mean, just everything. And, but I never thought, oh, that's, that's what I want to do. And that all changed. I was 16, uh, and I saw Dave Matthews Band at Saratoga, mm-hmm. uh, Saratoga Springs, New York. It's back. I was 16, and I remember it was so exciting because I got to drive to the show, and it was like, you know, that first time where you have this freedom, you're going down the highway, and then you're at a, at a show, a live show. And I remember that changed me a bit. I was like, whatever he's doing, I mean, nobody's Dave Matthews, nobody's, you know, Willie Nelson, nobody. But whatever he's doing, whatever I'm feeling from whatever he's doing is what I want to do for somebody else, even if it's 10 people. You know, it was like that instant, I, I want to play a guitar for somebody, and if, one person out of a million likes it, then great. That one person maybe felt part of what I was feeling. I think that's what it's about. Um, 
And then so I started playing, I, but I didn't start playing right away then. It was like I knew I wanted to do that, but I didn't, I didn't think I could do that. And then um, I had grown up playing competitive hockey, ice hockey. And after high school, I went to go play junior hockey in Canada. And, um, and I was in Ottawa, Ontario. And I, I played it for a year in Canada. Then I went the, the following year, I went down to Long Island. Um, again, it was just, it was a junior junior hockey program called Apple Corps. And I, uh, like my eighth game into the season, I broke my wrist. I, I shattered something called the hook of the hammock. And it's with all of your, where all your nerves come into your wrist. And that was it for me. I mean, I tried to come back. Um, so it was pretty crushing because that was, that was the focus. You know, it's like you hear those stories all the time. Somebody that dedicated their lives to a sport and it's, it, it's true. You do, that's all you do every weekend. You're gone. Your parent, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice from both yourself and your parents. Um, so it was the first moment of my life. I'm like, what am I going to do? You know? And I kind of knew where I wanted to go to college. And, and that was partly due to like playing sports there and playing hockey there. But, um, yeah, the injury kind of made me rethink what meant a lot to me and what moved me as much as maybe playing sports, playing hockey moved me. And, so I started to play man, right, like 18, 19, and then once I started playing, it was like I couldn't stop. I, I didn't do anything else. I mean, I'd play like I'd play through the night. I remember I was with my billet family while my wrist was in a cast after surgery, and they'd hear me playing until four in the morning. And I, but I had nothing else. I mean, I wasn't. I could ride a bike to stay in shape, but I was. To be honest, it was like at that point, I was like, I don't. What am I doing? Like I'm. I think this is the. I think that was the. So, I mean, I'd play, like, eight to ten hours even with a cast on, and then from there it just took off. Like, I still ended up going to the university I wanted to go to because um, I had always wanted. It was, like, that thing you just had in your head, and they they had great hockey, but I I started – I was literally playing music all the time, and there was a music uh, school in town as well, so it was pretty cool, and I had some family that grew up there. They were all involved in music, so it was like it was, like it was supposed to happen that way, even though it didn't go the way I initially as a kid thought I was going. Um, and then I started playing and doing the circuit in the Northeast, uh, frats and college shows and, you know, every bar that would have, have me. And then, you know, that led, uh, I did start to work after college. I was fortunate to get a, get a gig, um, doing like management consulting for, a for IBM for a little while. And so then that was another thing. It was like, Oh, I, I got a, on paper, a great job. Um, but it was like, I, I just can't going back to your relationship question. It's like, and I know there's so many people that feel this way. It's like, you can't help. You can't help it. Like I wish there were times I wish I could say, you know, I don't need to play guitar because I'm not making the money I can make. I could be maybe providing for my family better. I mean, you know, now that whole part of this relationship with music changes everything. Um, so yeah, making a decision to go full time music, in my early twenties was, was tough with a job, giving up a job. Um, that was at the same time, actually the vertical horizon, excuse me, thing happened. I, I was in between projects, um, for IBM and, uh, this, at the time I was play, like, I had to fly for the job. So I'd go on Monday through Thursday, it was a consulting day. You come home on Thursday nights, you work from home Friday and then do it all over again. But I'd go and play gigs. I had a booking agent at the time and I'd go, I'd dr- I was living in northern New York, and I'd drive to either Boston or New York City or anywhere kind of within, like, five to six hours from northern New- where I lived in Plattsburgh, New York. Um, 
I did that every weekend, and I was getting so burned out of just getting on the plane, going to work, coming back. To, and, I, and, again, I wasn't making money playing those shows. This was like playing for – I remember it was a big deal playing for 50 people in New York City. It was like, oh, I had made it in New York City, you know, because who else – there's so many other things you can do in New York City. Um, but it was it was at that time where I was like, okay, I can do this. I don't know what that means, you know, financially or – I don't, I don't know, or for my own sanity, I don't know. But I knew I had to do it. And it's funny, that tour, the Vertical Rising one, when I was in between projects, it, it came up through my booking agent. He's like, hey, this opener couldn't do it. Would you have any interest? You know, there was no money. It was like me driving myself around. But I was like, yes, you know, yeah. And I mean, Vertical Rising, I got to I gotta say, they're, they were they had some huge songs. I mean, like, you know, I like fangirled. Like I, I mean, that album when I was in high school with the girl doing the the cartwheel yes. down the album cover. Like that album was so, it was so important on my timeline of life. Like in my teenage years, it was such an important album for me. And so, yeah, I mean, I they were great, and um, yeah. it's so it's such nostalgia. Yes, yes. I don't know. It's pretty cool to see. For me at the time, it was so neat to see it, especially Matt, the the lead guy. I mean, he, you know, he's they had he'd written these huge songs. He was still playing them, and we we're playing like great rooms still. And that that hit was like ten years old at the time or something. So they just showed me it's like okay, there's a guy who's still willing to like get on a just go and do it because he can. And like to me, that's always been the goal. It's like how do you get to a point where I can go play to listening rooms in every city? three times, like I can go and play that, that room three times a year. Cause I do it in a heartbeat, but it's like getting to that point where you can show up. People care enough to come back. I mean, you got to st- keep putting out material. I mean, it's, you know, you know, a whole side of it. It's, it's kind of, it can be depressing if you get, think about it too much, but that being said, it was such a good experience. And that's, you know, the vertical rising thing was how I met my friend Corey. And so, you know, and then I decided to leave. And ever since then, it's pretty much no looking back. I did take on some work again here and there, you know, and I've, I've had plenty of part-time work um, here um, because I, I think 99.8% of musicians now have to have some, some hustle. This isn't, you know, I'm not living off of royalties from TV and film things. Unfortunately, I wish I could say I was getting that big mail money. Everybody talks about, but I, I don't, I haven't seen that. So, Anybody has any tips on where I can go to a different mailbox if those are still if we haven't been shut down if the post office hasn't been but anyway okay I did did I not we didn't, didn't. Get, we didn't get that but the relationship I just I like you know it evolves so much and now more than ever I think about it all the time like kind of like the balance of it's a hard balance with kids now um i i still know in my heart this is what i'm gonna do and i don't you know i'll write songs whether somebody's paying for them or watching me or i'm gonna do it but i think i have a legitimate because i care about it so much and because i feel like i finally got to a level in my songwriting that i feel like i have something to offer now i'm not saying it's gonna blow i'm not gonna blow anybody's mind with my guitar licks and my I'm not going to do stage. I'm not going to pyrotechnic. I mean, I'm just hoping, you know, I think I just made an awful face there. We can't edit that. I don't know. Sorry about that. But <laughs> um, pyrotechnics, it just threw me right off. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know 
everybody talks about you got to have that really special thing, you know? And I don't, I don't know. I think it's more of like all the parts together, you know, the way you sing and the way you can craft a song, the way it all comes together, you know? And like, I don't think there's so many good people now that, I don't think the argument like, oh, you, what do you do different than everybody else? I don't know. I mean, I am another guy with a guitar. I mean, but for me, it's like chasing those songs. I, I know I have them in me, and I, I, I know I already have some that I just haven't even put out because it's like you're always waiting for when, when's the right time to, to put it out. And so that fire's still in me, which is number one. But you know, the balance of the family. I guess you know, going back to Poppy, my daughter seeing how much she loves it. I had this discussion with my wife the other day. We were getting, you know, about the sound song. I've put up a couple other singles within the last few months. And it always kind of looks better to people than it is your release. All the time you put into it, the recording, the people think you're like, I got that American songwriter. Mm-hmm. It was, it was an awesome article. The guy Ray that wrote, like I, I was almost in tears writing what he wrote about it. And, and it, everybody thinks like you've made it. Oh, this is, and I'm thinking myself, you know, any musician out there, which I'm sure they listen to, it's like, well, I didn't really do a lot for like, you know, paying the rent. Uh, but it's nice. The recognition's awesome. I'm not, I love it. I mean, I, you need that, and it, I didn't need it for myself, but it's nice because people need to kind of, let's face it, be told what, in a way to listen to. That's just the way popular music works. I mean, we had this, my wife and I had the discussion. I was like, I gotta, like, I might have to go back to work. Like, I don't know. But I think about Poppy and how much she's been influenced by seeing me work at night and seeing me do, you know, I don't play as much anymore out. That was actually ironically about to change before everything happened, but, you know, we're all there. Uh, I don't know, but like seeing how much she cares about it, you know, like she wanted to pick out my shirt to just talk to you, you know, like, and I'm thinking to myself if I, if she's been moved by that much by what I'm doing, if she's the only person the rest of my life that cares this much, I'm going to keep doing it. You know, like, so it's the balance. It's like, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's, I don't know if a golf analogy is good, but like, it's like you, you get off the course and you're like, why did I just spend that much time? But it was the one shot. It was like the one, putt you sank for some reason even if you're not you're an average golfer you put it in from 15 feet away and you felt like tiger for a second or something i don't know it's like i don't know when you get that song you know you have something you know i kind of felt like this with the sound song i was like i didn't even think about it i just i knew there was something i knew it hit me in a way that i thought it could hit other people you know no matter how many hit people it hits and so I think well, that's just getting some positive recognition because it is playing yeah. on Lightning 100 in Nashville. And yeah. you know, you're, like you said, American songwriter, you're getting a lot of really good press on that song. And it, I mean, it's an amazing, I think it's amazingly, mm. I'm trying to think of the right word. It's just, I love really honest songs. And I feel Taylor, like I'm, Taylor. I'm taking a page out of Taylor's book. Thanks. Honest song. <laughs> But it's, and also, like you mentioned earlier, earlier, uh, speaking from, and, and I know we'll back up and we can get into the, the entire explanation of the song, but, but your explanation from 
the perspective of the coffee shop, I thought was really interesting way to look at it, a different perspective, so to speak. So, um, but that no one wants to hear me talk about the songs. You tell us about the songs. No, I, I disagree with that. I think people do. I think people want to hear about it from more than me because <laughs> I don't know if I didn't get it right singing it. Sometimes you feel like, wait, maybe I didn't explain myself enough. But I'm getting better at that. Like asking myself after a line, wait, does this um the perspective thing is that? Okay? <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm thinking about the song. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, let's, I don't, let's dive into the song. I mean, yeah, it's, like sure. it's, it's like a sad, it's kind of sad. Um, your your favorite record shop was torn down in East Nashville, and mm. you you loved this place. This is where you'd take Poppy. Um, you know, it's like your neighborhood record store. And, like, you know, growing up in Charleston, I had one that I loved going to. And it makes you, it's devastating when it's not there anymore. And mm. And from what I've researched and gathered, Condos are going in that spot, so it's yeah. also a little, um, you know. Particular. I could they like, draw you what they look like too, and I haven't even seen the plans or anything. I know what they're gonna look like. Yeah. So, like, at least make it look like what was there. Ugh. Yeah, that was. I mean, this is a true story. I I don't know if I'd sent you anything on this, but I. My wife and I at the time. So we lived there for almost exactly five years in this house, right right off the corner of where that record shop was. We could walk to it. Was, you know, we were spoiled. But we, I was actually headed. I was. I remember driving through Ohio. I was on my way to a show, and we knew we wanted to live in East Nashville. And, and then we loved that part of town. But it was like it's like it is still now. It's like you can't get a house, and you're gonna you're gonna spend more than you need can. And but she calls and she goes, "Hey, there's a house right." you know where that record shop is? And we had been there before and we had eaten across the street. There used to be a sushi place that turned into a coffee place, a coffee shop, the one that I'm sitting in, in the song. And uh, she goes, there's a place a block from there. And I, you know, I love it. And I said, we got to get it. Like, just do it. I got, you know, so I literally, you know, she had sent me the link later cause that's easy to do now. But um, it was literally a decision based on, a record shop being in our neighborhood because you're in East Nashville, you're in Nashville. It's music, it's music city. It's, I want to live in a world in Nashville where I could walk to something that made me want to live in Nashville. I don't even know if that made sense, but like complete sense, complete sense. Yeah. And, and you know, like when I wrote that song, I had an, I was overwhelmed with guilt to be honest. Like it was like, I'm this guy. You know, we all know gentrification is like, it's just happening. And it's so many, not just Nashville, but it's like, I felt like the guy coming in and I bought this, I spent too much, we spent too much money on a house. So we're part of the changing neighborhood, right? But we supported the places, but I still felt this guilt like, could I have done more? You know, I didn't buy a ton of records there. We went to every show we could go to in the backyard. We tried to, you know. I got to, I was lucky to get to know Jeff and Jim, the two guys that ran the place. And I don't know. I just felt like I could have done so much more. So that, I think the opening line, I'm mean, now I'm back to, but how many times have you walked by without saying hi? You know, it's like, and Jeff, one of the owners who passed away actually uh, about a year before it closed, um, he was the most passionate guy about music. He was like, you just kind of have a better person running a record shop. It reminds me of like, the feel like uh, High Fidelity, Nick Hornby, that that novel. It was one of my favorites. 
Um, I actually just messaged Nick Hornby and I was like, hey, I loved your novel. Like, I wish I read more, but I, you know, I don't have a million books to compare it to, but that moved me in a way that I don't know if this song, I just thought of this today. I was like, I don't know if this song would have happened if that wasn't in my, from years ago reading that. I haven't heard back from him. So if he listens, I'd love to talk to him. Um, back to us. You, did yeah. you message him on, on Instagram? Uh, he was on Instagram. Who knows? He, it wasn't even a verified account, so we don't know. Could be. Yeah. But maybe somebody will make me feel good. <laughs> Just write me back. Um, we need answers. Yeah, yeah. So Jeff, though, one of the owners was like that guy, like a character out of that. And he knew. I met him at a bar through my friend Jonas Stein, who was in a band called the Turbo Fruits. We met by part-time ice hockey officiating together. Hilarious. But... He introduced me to Jeff um, at a bar one night, and I remember just being like, I know nothing about music after I just had a conversation. Like, he just knew about the most obscure things, and, like, you know, if I, I forget who we were talking about. Somebody fairly popular, singer-songwriter, and I was like, oh, I like this record. And he goes, well, have you listened to, you know, it was like, he wasn't knocking me, but it was like, oh, yeah, I should probably dig in a little deeper than that record, you know. He just had that knowledge. Um so I just felt lucky to, like, get to – but he would be – I felt lucky to get to know the guys that, like, had the passion behind this job. They weren't making money. They were getting by month by month. And and just to, like, have those kind of people, you know, is – I mean, that's what made made it worth yeah. being in Nashville. Um, but where were we going with this? Um, we're, we're talking about the sound song. Yeah. So the opening line, how many times have you walked by – Thank you for reminding me, by the way, uh, without saying hi. My, we used to walk, there's a sub shop called Mitchell Deli. Have you been there? If you haven't, okay. Haven't. Gotta haven't go. Okay. You said Mitchell Deli? Mitchell Deli, and it's in that same neighborhood, and it was across the street as well from, from the record shop. Um, but we'd walk there for lunch, and I'd always feel, I'd see Jeff, and I'd wait. He always said, he always had a cigarette. And he would sit right at this little table outside of the door that said "Fond, fond Object" was right behind his head. And uh, I always we'd always say hello. And it was like if I didn't go over there, I almost felt like I was I was supposed to go talk to him. And so that that opening line, because I couldn't go every day and have a discussion, probably because I bore him to death. But I just like you know you just wanted to hang out. It was like if I didn't have a kid, I'd be just well, why not? And so. Uh, yeah, that line was kind of like my almost like seeing him sitting there, and uh, what makes it a little bit deeper. And I don't know, what, but he actually passed away in the record shop working one night, and so like that always moved me in a different way too. Like here's a guy who gave his life. I think he moved. I want to say I mean, we didn't come become blood brothers or anything. Like I don't know him that well, but. I don't want to give that impression, but I think he moved from like Austin with all of his records. I think Jonas told me this and, and he like had a shop down there, moved it all up here just to open this up. You know, it was like one of those guys he found a cool spot and made this, I don't know. There are a lot of those people around. So yeah, that opening line was, there was like almost a ghost of, of Jeff in there. And so and then it, and then it just came out after that. Do you think, um, you know, so it sounds like he passed away and then not long after the record shop was torn down, like yeah. a matter of like a, like a year. I think it had to be maybe a year, almost 
Yeah, around a year. And I know, uh, I know Jem, he, you know, he was just as passionate. I know he was in bands and, uh, mm-hmm. he might have moved up. I know he was spending time in California. He might have ended up, I, I don't keep up with him, unfortunately, but I actually meant to send him the song. I mean, even, I don't know, part of me wants to be like, you wonder if it's too close mm-hmm. to send or you just put it out there and I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really. Yeah, I think he probably lost a little bit of understandably passion there to run that. And, uh, and you know, and they were pressured to move out. And they were, uh, he said they were on a month-to-month. But the person that, I might get myself into trouble, the person that owns the one side of the road in that Riverside Village area of East Nashville, they don't care as much about the authenticity of the neighborhood. If you look at the other side, it's all, you know, Mitchell Deli. He's been there forever. The, the whole strip's been there forever. Some businesses have moved in and out. Um, and, you know, there's coffee shops there. And I spent so much time. I mean, Poppy grew up there in the afternoon. We'd hang out. Um, I almost feel like I, I'd knock them in the song. But, you know, I'm sipping on my coffee in this fancy shop that I spent too much money. Like, I, I didn't say that, but I almost felt after, like, well, that was subconsciously, like, I, I'm – buying a $5, $6 coffee, watching this record shop just go down. You know, that was part of it in my mind. But it was no knock because they're, they're fabulous people. You, I mean, you should check out Dose Coffee Shop as well. And they've been very nice to my family, and we still sneak over there all the time. So, But, yeah, they made their way to that song. Um, and it was supposed to be a positive thing, but well, I'm just going to let the song. <laughs> I can't do anything now. Recorded it. <laughs> Well, and we're, we'll make sure um, also, too, we'll link to the song because also the music video. Um, I did want to ask you, like, did you did you leave a recording device just in the corner, like, of that street? Because there's, from the angle, it's like you had left it sitting on the street in order to get that time span to speed it up. And I was like, did you just leave it out there and come back for it later? Or that was, I would walk up there every day and try to capture, depending on the lighting, uh, maybe every other day, just so there'd be a little more progress, although it didn't take them long. I mean, that was probably over two weeks, and it was done. It was flattened. So I'd probably go every other day, and or maybe every day. I can't remember, but I'd probably bring Poppy with me. Um, and in that intersection, there's like a perfect spot that captured the hole, and you're kind of safe, safe as you can be. I wouldn't have brought Poppy if, you know, I didn't think it was too safe. But I'd set it up and set it on something and just shoot for – I don't know, 10 minutes and then speed it up. And it definitely wasn't a pro edit job, I realized. <laughs> but I think it captured what I was going for. So. Yeah. You got to get creative these days. I mean, it's like you got to make your own music videos. You got to do everything. I mean, you really do. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny that you say that because, I mean, yeah, at this point, it's like you have to know marketing, PR, you have to be IT <laughs> guy. IT guy. Yeah, yeah. I knew what you meant. I don't know. IT guy. There's got to be a TI guy. I mean, it would be great if everyone had a TI in their life. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. I'll get them. I'll get one. I can't afford Maybe I can't afford them. We don't know what the price is on a TI guy. <laughs> oh. So during this time frame, I mean, I know everyone's talking about, obviously, the pandemic, the quarantine. We can't get away from this topic. And spending time at home, not being able to play shows, collaborate with other singer-songwriters, 
how are you how are you staying productive? How are you staying creative during this time? And if maybe you aren't, and that's and that's fine too. Like it's it's a weird line I feel like that a lot of creatives are struggling with is oh well this is an opportune time for me to like be super productive while maybe the other half of people are just saying fuck it I'm exhausted emotionally (laughs) spiritually physically I just I need to drink a bottle of rosé and lay down on my floor (laughs) and that is okay too if that's what we need to do (laughs) I like I lean towards that part of what you just said that hit me in the soul yeah. I think I, I think I lean more towards that and I'm you know, I think part of it goes back to the balance of of kind of this music thing and it just makes me it makes me appreciate time mm-hmm. with the little ones and my wife and I'm trying to not let my mind just be like I have to be writing songs. Mm-hmm. And and part of the, the I guess part of the way I uh I don't know what the best word combat that is. Like, I do find now if I set time, hun from like if I say hi hey, from nine to you know because my poppy stays up all night. She's she's like a she's an old soul. She's a grown up. Basically, yeah. can't get away from her and it's the best. But I'll write from you know nine to midnight or nine to one, and I just find if I I do set that aside, I'm, I'm pretty productive. Especially now, it's like because I'm better with time management. I mean, if I know I have a window of kind of somewhat quiet, you know, some quiet time, I can get something done. So I I still strive to do that, but I do think I lean more towards during this time. I'm not too worried if, if I write 50 songs, well, this is going on great. If I write five, so I'm not, I'm going to spend time with family. And I mean, this is hopefully the only time we're ever going to all have to do something like this. Let's, I mean, if we could all just wear a mask, we could get this done. Let's we could expedite this process. Yeah, we could really. I'm willing to stay in this closet I'm in right now for two <laughs> months if we can stop this. Um, and we should, but it's for another time. Um, yeah, so I, I lean more towards too worried. I'm not stressing out. I don't think this needs to be like I wrote three. You know, I'm I'm releasing three double records when this thing is done because you know I can show people. I saw a country artist. And I like him, and I'm not going to name it. You know, somebody, I wrote 40 songs. This was like three weeks into this whole thing. I wrote 40 songs over the last, and I'm like, geez. I mean, I don't, and there's somebody with a family. I'm thinking, I, I probably just like, there's somebody who hits it hard. They're a great songwriter. They're, I get it, why they want to hit it hard, because they're doing so well. But, like, part of me is like, why don't you just take two months to, you especially, me, I got to keep working, because I got to have something going on. But yeah. Oh my, well, see, you took it to a very positive place. I just immediately in my head, I'm like, Jesus, 40 songs? How much pain are you doing? Yeah. I, I like, don't even know so if so Maybe the coffee's good. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, you're right. Oh, speaking of cocaine, what's the song? Uh, cocaine, cocaine Country Dancing. Paul oh, Cochran. Paul Cochran. Oh, how good. He is nuts live. I I just don't – he's on a different level than everybody right now. Um, I wish I had big speakers in here. I just pumped that intro right now. Anyway, yeah, that song. Speaking of cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. 
He is awesome. He is. I would love to. Yes. I want to open for him. So, Paul, he, you know what? We were on some, uh, my last release, it was called uh, Ain't Over Yet. I'd written it for John Prine, and I was lucky enough to have the song included on some small playlist. It wasn't like one of the ones that makes you get a million, you know. It was like a small playlist, but Paul was on it, so I, I added him, and and so he had responded to that. So it was pretty cool because we don't, we don't know each other, you know, outside of. Well, yeah. He didn't know. He definitely didn't know me. Yeah. Now, no, no, now maybe he goes, oh, that red haired dude, what a kind, kind fellow for adding in this small playlist changed my life. And anyway, he's awesome. I want to go yeah. on tour with him. So if you have any ends with him, I'll appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more, I'm like, hey, can you, Nepal? You know, so if yeah, I yeah, yeah. Paul Cawthorn, can you just let yeah. Maggie and Howard need <laughs> to meet? With yes. We're ready for the tour. We're ready for it. We're going to be BFFs. Um, so speaking of, I love that you brought up that song because would you say that that would be your entrance song? And, uh, and let me and let me back up. Has anyone ever asked you before about an entrance song? You know, I don't think so. That's pretty awesome. Did That's you pretty have one as a hockey player. Does that work in hockey? I know they do it that, in baseball. That would have been. I would think when I was younger, that was a very important thing. Even in, like, high school, there would have been, like, a song, you know, we had to pick the song, yeah. So I guess that would have been the last time I would have thought about an entrance song, which even then, I don't know. Oh, it was hard to beat Guns N' Roses. Um, Yeah. He's screaming for, like, eight minutes, and it feels better than anybody else screaming, maybe except for, like, Robert Plant. It'd be close. Um, yeah. I ran into him at Whole Foods the other day. Robert Plant? Robert Plant. And this is the best. I wish I – I'm glad I didn't because it would have looked, like, so bad. But I'm going to check out, and I'm looking at the, the magazines, and there's a Time magazine with Led Zeppelin and the four pictures of all the, the you know, the members. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I don't know if I've checked this out. I, I'm kind of looking, and I kind of just gaze up. There's one person in front of me checking out. It's Robert Plant. It was like one of those moments, and and I, I'm not good. Oh, gosh, I'm terrible when I meet people. I don't have that gift to, like, hit it off with these people you love, and then they're like, oh, let's hang, you know? Like, nobody nobody says let's hang after I meet them, I don't think. But uh, Robert Plant, he was awesome. I actually scanned my... <laughs> I actually scanned my Amazon uh, the discount thing. <laughs> He's searching for something, and I didn't know if he needed a wallet. He didn't have much, and I was, like, about to just be like, hey, I'll pick his up. Yeah. And he had his wallet, and the lady's like, do you have an Amazon? And he said, no, I don't have an Amazon. And and I was like, hey, I'll scan mine. And he looked at me like, what is it? Is he trying to, like, take my identity? Which I understand. I mean, imagine. If you, you know. Yeah, if you don't know what it is, yeah. Yeah. And so I go, no, it's just, like, the discount thing they have here. Just, I don't know if it will do anything. And he goes, he kind of didn't say anything. And it beeps. So he finished checking out, and the lady's just awestruck. She knows, obviously. <laughs> him. Everybody knows him. And then he goes, hey, Mike, thank you. And like, I, we kind of, like, Ran into each other, giving each other taps on the shoulder before we were, you know, this was before the mask thing. So it wasn't a few weeks. It was, like, months ago. But oh, my gosh. Robert Plant. So, yeah, entrance song. We got to Robert Plant at Whole Foods. 
Can we back up real quick? Do you remember what he was buying at Whole Foods? Because now I'm like nosy. You know what? That's see, those are details. Especially as a songwriter, how do you? How do I not? I have failed. It's okay. such a good question that you asked because I should know exactly what he bought. There was some fruit in there, which is great. It was very minimal. Good. Darn it. Well, you know, as long as Robert is staying healthy, he's going to be around for a long time. Oh. I'm, you know, we need we need him to stay alive. You know what? That was actually funny. My first box set, it was a CD set. My dad got me at our record shop back home. It was called Peacock Records. It was awesome. It was like everything like we're talking about with record stores. And it shouldn't belong in platforming. It's middle of nowhere. Like, it was so hip. But my first box set, my dad was happy to buy me that Led Zeppelin, which was a lot of money then. It was like, I forget what it was at the time, but now it's probably, who knows, with inflation. Oh, God. Like over 100. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Easily, I feel like. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. If, if you can figure out how to turn on the podcast, Dad, thank you for that. <laughs> anyway. So, we, I mean, I'm going to put the pressure on you and I'm going to need a song. Okay. Are we going to go with Led Zeppelin? Or do you think. Uh, oh, you know what? Can we go? It's got to go current. It's got to go present right today. Okay. No? Yeah, I mean, you can do one. Um, I've had people before say, like, their ancient song for life. Like, this is a song that will forever be with them. Or I've had people say, like, you know, today, this is how I'm feeling. So it could be how you're feeling today. It's got to go today, and it's got to be, it's got to be number one off folklore. It's got to be Taylor Swift. Dude, you my brain explode. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not. I mean, I I turn that on. And it's like you got to listen to it again. I got to figure out whatever that is. I want to hear it again. And like my daughter obviously loves it. My wife loves it. We're big Taylor fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I gosh, she's good. But isn't I don't, it? I don't need nobody's listening to me to say that. But like, she's so good. Anyway. Well, and I mean, but to your point though, I think. Um, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, Taylor Swift, like, growing up, it's like, okay, you know, very sugary country and then very overly produced pop. And now she comes out of nowhere with this album of, like, I mean, the girl is talented. We cannot deny that. And just, I mean, that song, the number one song off of Folklore, I cannot get past that song. I haven't listened to any other song off of that album except that one on repeat. But it's also, like, you know, I'm like, she's literally speaking to me. <laughs> like, she's been reading my diary. <laughs> That's awesome. So true, though. She can do that. She got you. She hooked. Uh, she's, that song. What, what's the line? I remember you become a little numb to hearing songs for the first time, but that, what was the line, the bus the bus stop line? Like, I thought I saw you at the bus stop, but I, what is she? But it wasn't you. Oh, it was, for whatever reason, I remember my wife even said, oh, how good is that? And I'm like, yeah, it's wonderful. Like, oh, I mean, and the fact that she swears in it, I love that. Just a little edge. Mm-hmm. And the, good, you nailed it, too. The, like, her range, this hit whatever sweet spot. She already had the sweet spot, but, like, the production on this is better, in my opinion. Hopefully I don't have the Taylor Nation after me, but this is the best product. It matches her lyric 
better than anything she's done by far. The mood, the like she should write this way for. I mean, she'll always change because that's how good she is. It's like Neil Young. Like he'll put out a. He does that too, like techno, and then all of a sudden, you know, the guys that are the greats change all the time. But if I were her, I'd put out one of these records every year and then do, like, she's just, because she could do that too, you know, that much material. And Anyway, we love you, Taylor. No. The Jennings fam, we love it. So, yeah, I want to, she's on the bucket list of write, co-writes. I mean, that can happen. I mean, I, the Ryman's first. That's number one at the top of everything, playing the Ryman. But Taylor's probably right behind that. I love it. And these are all goals. That- you can make happen. That will happen. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for the confidence. Oh, that's on. Number one. Yeah, we got to go with that. Okay. I love it. I'm not going in the past. I'm not going back. And this is where today is. It's just present. Got to be present. I love it. So now that we're coming to the end, unfortunately, of our interview, you got to tell everyone if anyone's going to be listening, how do people find you? How do people follow you? How do they support you? Where can we start stalking you and start seeing videos of Poppy? Oh, it's all, I'm pretty much Instagram and my website are the main spots. Instagram.com slash Howard Jennings. Um, my website's howardjennings.com. Those are the two that I keep the most current. And I know people in the industry will say you got to be on every single, and I, and I should, I just find it easy to, those are the, the quick, I can see a picture. I know what he's doing. I can see a video. His song is about to come out. I, I just find them the easiest platforms. Even my website, I, I don't keep up. I'm pretty much on Instagram and Poppy goes live on Instagram. No, she hasn't been on in probably a week, but there's been some requests. So we'll see. And I want her to sing. She's funny. She's a lot like myself. My wife always got on me back in the day because I didn't. I won't get online and play a bunch of covers. I I wish I could. There's just something in me that doesn't want to cover unless a song really moves me, and I might do a little clip of it or something. And so I don't. I might do that. But Poppy's just like me. Like she won't. I heard her singing in the car, and I'm like, remember us this way. I'm thinking this is a four year old who. Yeah, she's not hitting everything, but it's the how she's singing it and wants to sing it and trying to do the high notes and move. And I'm not a vocal coach, but I can tell she's she's just doing it. And but when she gets on Instagram Live and logs into my thing, which I'm just eventually going to let her just take my phone and go for it. But yeah, she she just wants to sing her own stuff. She just she'll make it up on the spot, and and she goes she'll go for sick. I mean, I have to kind of nudge her in the video. I'm off to the side, like mm-hmm. all right. Can we, you know, one move to the chorus or the next song? You know, it's like she just wants to be, which I love. Um, but if we could get her to sing that, that'd be. So maybe you, I'll tell her you, I'll tell her you requested her to sing "Remember Us This Way" on a live Instagram story. Well, it's so funny that you say that she, um, she likes making up songs, which um, is very reminiscent of your dad. Yeah, yeah. Like a full circle moment, you know. Like, oh, he'll love that. I'll tell him. You know? Yeah, it's oh, so true. And then I am going to make a tiny request that next time you do, um, we're not going to say if, but when you do an Instagram live with Miss Poppy, yeah. that you will cover Taylor Swift's number one. That I, okay. Or just a snippet of it. I, I got to do the opening verse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's it. Okay. And we'll let Poppy take it away. 
For you, I'll do it because I've enjoyed this so much. <laughs> I loved your questions too, and that's like it's. I love when a question really makes me think. It kind of just digs into why you do this, and that's those are the best questions. You know, why why did you write that song? Why did why what what is your relationship to music? I love that because that's the real stuff. Like nobody cares when I'm eating for breakfast. You know, I mean, I'm sure we could find something humorous in whatever I had. For breakfast, but I appreciate your questions. Oh, really, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much. And um, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again sometime. You damn right we will. All right. All right. Uh, do you have any? Wait, I want to play in South Carolina too. I'm sorry. We're in South Carolina, right? Yeah, I'm in Charleston. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm gonna play there. I gotta play there. Fuck yeah, we'll get you down okay. here. Um, well, I mean, there's a there's a ton of great music. Right. So once yeah, once we can. We'll do that. Cool. We'll do it. Do you have any parting words? I, I don't. Um, I don't know. Is there something you want to – is there anything else? Wear a fucking mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lead me to that. <laughs> but I, honestly, you nailed it. Wear that, wear that mask. It's not hard. How hard can this be? Somebody walked into a restaurant. I was getting to go, and I'm, I mean, I'm, like, bundled up. And, like, two people come in. I don't know if they were tourists. We weren't really in a spot that it would be. And they came in flying into the restaurant. I remember all the workers are, like, somebody's there to, to make sure they can give them a mask. It was like they were just going to a table, like yeah. nothing's going on. And I'm thinking, how are you that ignorant? Yeah. I've made a mistake. I've I've went to run in some, oh, I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot my, oh, let me go grab my mask. Yeah. But, I mean. You can tell when a person's genuinely concerned about other, you know, doing that. And and these people, yes, there's a lot of those people, I guess, that aren't concerned. How are we not concerned? Anyway, wear a fucking mask is what you said. I'm sticking with it. Thank you for having me. Oh, this has so been welcome. awesome. This is great. <laughs>